Welcome back to Survivor 20s. My guest today is actually the managing partner of a very large law firm right out of Los Angeles. And prior to law, he was in the film and movie industry. And he's actually making a lot of waves right now in the political landscape. My guest today is Mr. Eric Hurley. And we're live, and I'm here with my guest, Eric Early, who is the managing partner of Early, Sullivan, Wright, Geyser, and McRae out of uh, Los Angeles. Eric, how are you doing, sir? Doing great, Brad. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for making the time to do this. I understand, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're a busy guy, and there's a lot going on in your plate, so I'm really appreciative of the time you can spare. My pleasure, buddy. So let's hop right into it. How did you, you are the managing partner, but before you were a managing partner of a law firm, you were a law, a lawyer at one point. And how did yeah. you get to there? Like before you got to where you're at, what decided, what made you think you wanted to get into law? Well, you know, I've been uh, practicing law now for about 27 years. And, um, so, uh, I never thought I'd be a lawyer in my life, frankly, when I, uh, first started out, uh, in undergraduate school, I went to film school and I came out and I worked in the film industry for about seven years doing all kinds of neat things. And um, never in my life thought I'd be a lawyer, frankly, ever. Growing up, never thought I'd be a lawyer. Um, just never happened. You know, my dad did not like lawyers. He and, uh, he and my mom went through a bitter divorce. And I guess my mom's divorce lawyer treated my dad poorly. And my dad never thought highly of lawyers. So I heard about that growing up. I can imagine. Yeah. Well, you know, most people don't like lawyers. So, but I got a first hand <laughs> I got yeah, a first, Yeah, I got a first hand lesson in that from my my own dad. So Do we cheat him and how? Yeah, exactly. So um so I'm in the film industry and I liked it. In fact, that's what brought me to California here was a job I was doing that got me out here. And, um, my, uh, my ex-wife, this is a long time ago, even though she, um, she knew, uh, she was marrying somebody in the film industry. Soon after we got married, she got pregnant. She hate, she turned out she hated the film industry and she would drive me nuts constantly around the clock to get a real job, what she called a real job. And, uh, one thing came to another and finally just to shut her up, I said I was going to law school. And I, I, um, I really, I, even when I said that, I didn't think I was going to be a lawyer because I had written a screenplay that had gotten a lot of, or a fair amount of attention. Um, I had gotten a very, very good agent, and I thought that that screenplay would sell, and I would not have to go to follow through on going to law school. And unfortunately, it didn't sell, and I had to follow through on going to law school, and I. I took the LSAT, which is the test you have to take to get into law school, and I didn't really study for it. I just didn't really care about being a lawyer, and, and they sent me to a uh, they sent me to uh, a law school to take the test that I'd never heard of, and located here in Los Angeles uh, called Southwestern Law School, and um, I took the LSAT. I got a pretty good grade. And then, you know, I had to go to night school because at that point I had um, a wife and I had a very, very young son. He was an infant and I had to work during the day. And so it turned out this very school where they had sent me to take the test had a night school. And 
since I still didn't think I was going to have to come out and practice law, I didn't really care where I went to law school. So I went there. I got in night school. And that's how the whole thing started, Brad. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. So you were more of a creative profession in the film industry before you got into the law industry. Yes, sir. So what did you want to do in the, cre- in the film industry? Like, where did, where did you want that career to go? Well, I wanted to, um, I wanted to write and direct major motion pictures. Sound familiar? Yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people want to do that. You know, I had, um, I had gone to uh, NYU Film School, which at the time was it was NYU and USC. I don't know what it is now. I mean, that was the late seventies, right? Um, and um, I got uh, I made an award winning student film. And I came out and I was doing these short films for a TV show, which none of the listeners probably ever heard of, called The Great Space Coaster, uh, which was a children's show back in the day. And then I ended up, uh, I was doing uh, commercials for Hasbro Toys. I was editing documentaries. This was all back east in New York. And then I got uh, the company I was doing the commercial for Hasbro Toys, an advertising agency. partnered with Marvel Productions out in California to make what was called toy-based animation based on many of the Hasbro toys. And the company asked me if I wanted to come out to California. If I did, they would ship me out here, all paid for, to be the post-production supervisor on all those shows and to basically be the interface between New York and California. And those shows turned out to be the G.I. Joe animated series, the Transformers animated series, Gem and the Holograms, My Little Pony, you name it. And so I went, bro. And that's what I that's how I got to California. Those are big deal shows. Like those are huge. Hey listen, I was the post production supervisor on most of all those. I even wrote a couple Gem and the Holograms too. I wrote a couple G.I. Joe's too. And um I was post production supervisor on the um on the first Transformers movie, which was an animated movie, where Optimus Prime died, and um, and and you know, so then after, so you know, I, I left the film industry kicking and screaming because I really loved what I was doing, and um, and then I did other stuff. I wasn't really into the animation world so much. I was into live action. I was doing really cool stuff that way too. But um, but I remember when I ultimately became a lawyer. Some young lawyer came in and he started and he uh, he's in my office and he starts like breaking down in tears. And I said, dude, what's going on? And he said, he said, man, I found out you worked on the Transformers animated movie. And and I'll never I'll never get over when Optimus Prime died. And he was like he was like he got him all emotional. Because he was sitting there talking to somebody who worked on the movie. <laughs> That's kind of funny. You actually have a an IMDb. Yes, I do, man. I mean, <clears> I haven't <throat> looked at it in years, so I don't know what it says. But yeah, they, you know. Well, it yeah. says the greatest attorney that's ever walked the earth. That's what it says. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. But um, yeah, see, Brad, there's something you didn't know about me. Yeah, that's super interesting to to hear. That's like a whole. That's a completely different career. Like not one that led into night and day, bro. Well, the thing is, yeah. So, I mean, and so a lot of people said to me, "Well, if you're going to be an attorney, you got to be an entertainment attorney." 
And and I didn't want to be an entertainment attorney because as I told people then, and I still say it, you know, I was I wanted to be in the film business because I wanted to, like I said, write and direct motion pictures. So if I was going to become get into the law, I didn't I didn't need to be in entertainment related law. Okay, that's not why I wanted to be in the entertainment business was to be an entertainment lawyer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, anyhow, yeah. So. I came to the legal profession uh, unlike perhaps 99% of lawyers. Every once in a while, I run into a lawyer who came from a relatively similar background, but it is incredibly rare. So how long, when, what did you get your, your undergrad in, and how long after you got your undergrad did you go to law school? Because a lot of people, it's a one-two punch. Most people, it's a one-two punch. And, um, and for me, it was not a one-two punch. For me, it was graduate uh, NYU film school in 1981, work in the entertainment, the film TV industry for seven or eight years, Um, then go to night school as a lawyer to learn how to be a lawyer, and then come out, you know, what it was three and a half years later and start as a lawyer. So I started as a lawyer um, a good deal older than uh, most people start as a lawyer. And, um, you know, they, they refer to those kind of to new lawyers as young associates. And I used to refer to myself as a a a young old associate <laughs> or an old young associate. But, um, you know, I'll tell you something. Um, and my first you know, when I started law school, mm-hmm. I'm walking around saying, what am I doing in this place? Because. You know, I'd been out of school for eight years. I'd been working. I had a life. I was in a completely different industry. And here, and and by the way, when you go to film school, nobody cares about grades. It's about the films you make. Uh, when I when I got into law school, that's all I care about is grades. And so my first year, I'm walking around in law school saying, "What am I doing in this place?" And it was in my second year or so of law school that um, that. Uh, I ran into a professor and he sparked an interest in me. And then I actually started liking it. And um, so I entered the law profession, like I tell people, completely by accident. And that's actually worked to my benefit for various reasons. That's really cool to hear. Did you, um, <clears throat> did you pass the bar the first time? Yes, I passed the bar. And, uh, and I got very lucky and off we went. So... Obviously, you had a film career, and then you went to law. But when you were younger, what did you want to be growing up? Uh, well, growing up, I think I wanted to be a fireman when I was a little kid. Yeah, you know, most people, a lot of kids, wanted to be a fireman growing up. You know, um, what did I want to be growing up? Well, I think I wanted to be on the New York Mets. Um, <laughs> you know, that didn't work out. Um, I don't know. What did I want to be growing up? I'll tell you, when I was in fifth grade, I remember I actually wrote down lawyer one time what I wanted to be growing up. Yeah, because A Few Good Men was one of my favorite movies, even even when I was a little kid. And I was like, man, I'm going to be a lawyer just like Tom Cruise was. That's pretty cool. Well, you know, it's kind of cool because being a lawyer did become kind of a cool profession at some point in time. Um, I don't know what it's considered now, but you know, it, it's actually a great profession. Um, you know, I've been very lucky and very blessed 
You know, I never thought I'd be a lawyer, never wanted to be a lawyer, come into the profession um, with no expectations, really only the worst expectation of what yeah. it would be like. Um, unlike so many of these kids, they come out of law school and they think that the world's going to be handed to them on a silver platter. And boy, are they in for, for a, uh, a rude awakening because it's very hard work. And, you know, your first few years out, you know, you got people dumping shit on you left and right. Um, but, um, because I came out with no expectations and because I entered a profession where unlike the film industry, the pay was, you know, was good and it was regular and it kept coming, coming. And, you know, it, I discovered early on, it was nice to get paid to use your brain because so many jobs, you don't use your brain. And in the, in the law business, you use your brain. And I like that. Yeah, that's really that's really nice to hear. Yeah. I like hearing that. How was so your first few years at a law school? Was it that big of a struggle? Uh, no, it wasn't a struggle at all, man. It was amazing. <laughs> that's cool. I'm a hard worker, you know. I've always believed in hard work, so I I'm believe that. Of, I'm not afraid of hard work, and uh, so I, I, it was great, actually. Frankly, it was fabulous. I like, I like the fact that law is so dynamic and it's like, it's not just you're a lawyer and you do the same thing that every lawyer does. There's, you know, there's criminal law, there's, you know, family law, trusts, entertainment, like you were saying, it's like you were saying, you don't have to be the archetype lawyer. You can be whatever kind of lawyer you want. Yeah. There's, is, there's a lot of, uh, tremendous flexibility in the legal profession. And of course it's, uh, it's always good in this day and age, especially to understand how all that stuff, how all this legal stuff works, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good to have an understanding. I mean, you don't want to rely on a lawyer because it's a very expensive reliance right there. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you enjoy being a lawyer and you enjoyed your time in the film school, but throughout your life, what was the worst job you had and why did you hate it? You don't have to give it like a specific name of where you worked, but like, what did you do that you just never enjoyed? As a lawyer? No, like a overall, like any job you had in your life where you can look back and be like, I did not like that. Hmm. You know, you've taught I've done a million jobs, you know. Um, I'll tell you mine. I, I uh yeah. I, I used to work at a debt collection law firm. Yeah. And oh, okay. I was a caller and our job was to make the call and give the mini Miranda and then try and get the caller on the phone, then transfer them to the actual debt collector. And it was about the holiday time. So I, I worked there for maybe two weeks. And in that time, I got so many responses of like, how are you doing this to me? It's the holidays and you're trying to come after come after me for money. And I'm like, I'm getting paid minimum wage, man. Like I'm just making calls. Well, and know, I hung- it's funny that you mentioned that because in one of the millions of jobs I've had in my life, and dude, I've done so, I mean, I, I've done so many different kinds of jobs. Uh, I mean, I've, you know, I could go through. I mean, I, I put up Christmas decorations during the Christmas season at night with one of these companies that would drive around and set up big office buildings with stuff. I, I mowed lawns. I delivered newspapers. I, I worked in restaurants as a waiter, as an assistant cook. I, um, but one of the jobs, I, and it goes on and on, but one of the jobs I had was actually for about three weeks. I, it wasn't for a, a law firm, but it was, and this is before I became a lawyer, and it was probably while I was, you know, doing random things in the film industry. I was, um, I, I worked for a debt collection company. Hey. 
and about that. Dude, I did it for about three weeks. It wasn't a law firm. And I worked for this guy and, and, and the guy in charge, there was a guy and a woman in charge. And it, that was probably one of the worst jobs. Yeah. There's a guy and a woman in charge. I'd show up at this. This was in Manhattan. I'd go show up in a building, some big, and, and this is back in the day, you know, before, you know, you're, you're young, man. But when I was growing up, people smoked all over the place. Right. And, and in buildings, in offices, in houses, in every people would smoke everywhere. That was just part of life. Right. And I mean, you'd be sitting at a desk, somebody next to you'd be smoking their cigarette indoors. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's impossible to think about now. This is what life was like. So this debt co- collection company that I ended up working for, for, you know, I just answered an odd job thing. There was a guy and his wife um, who ran it. We were in a small room and it was probably those two overseeing us. And there was probably about 15 of us each who had a phone in front of us. And we were each given, and this was before the internet and all this shit, we were each given like a stack of names and numbers, right? And, and in a binder and how much they owed and what they owed it for, right? And this guy and his wife smoked cigarettes like chimneys. So we're in this little room. It was completely a cloud of smoke in there. And this guy and his wife who ran this thing, these are like these debt collection lifers. And they were some of the most despicable people you'd ever meet in your life, okay? I mean, just evil. This guy that ran things, evil. And they knew all the tricks of the trade of screwing people over. And so we'd be making these calls. And, um, and uh, you know, and everybody had a, uh, had a make-believe name. My name was Pat Kelly. And I'd be calling up as Pat Kelly to these people who had, you know, they were broke and they, and yet I'm this debt collector calling money, calling for money. And it, I went through that same experience that you described and that was a shitty job. Yeah. I, I, I um, you know, I, then there was another job that comes to my, for about two or three weeks, I had a, an odd job where I was, I was on the phones trying to uh, sell, um, <laughs> sell. Of uh, uh, computer printing machines <laughs> to people, you know, they give you a list of numbers to try and sell these these printers, you know, these industrial sized printers. Yeah, and the guys who ran that operation were, oh my god, they were they were a sad group. Let's say a little bit shady. I don't know if they were shady, but you know, <laughs> you know, they had awards on the walls for how many you know copy machines they had sold in their careers, you know. And some guys were, you know, at the top of the copy machine sales food chain and others weren't. And I wouldn't recommend either of those jobs for anybody. Let's just say that. You know, I don't know how popular the salesman or the salesperson job is nowadays, but I just, I always think of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, when I hear anyone say they were in sales. Yes. And I just, I mean, where they give you the stack of cards and these are the leads, these yeah. are the leads and you have to make the sale and you, you, if you do well, you get a kitchen knife set. Exactly. That that's sort of what that that copy machine job was like. I remember this one guy. I mean, it's kind of sad, you know. He's telling me how we had the state of the art copy machine, and we were going to cop corner the market. And he 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 practically starts like doing a jig in front of me. He was so happy by the fact that we had the state of the art copy machine, and it was like, oh man, 
Yeah, these guys are out of a these guys are out of a Glenn Gary Glenn Ross type of movie. Oh well, I mean ABC got to always be closing. Yeah, so I had a lot of I've had a lot of different jobs, but being an attorney, I think for the most part, sometimes it's incredibly tough, sometimes incredibly stressful, but uh, but uh, it's uh, overall it's I I could only recommend it to people. Would you recommend being an attorney for someone who is? strictly in it for the money. They want a job where they get paid well, even regardless of whether they like it or not. Is that something you'd recommend to them? Well, I think, I think you gotta, you gotta like it, frankly, if you're strictly in it for the money and you don't really like what you do, uh, as a lawyer, you're going to end up burning out and, and running out of the office and trying to find a new life. And I, you know, I've known people like that. So I, I wouldn't recommend it to people like that. I certainly wouldn't want to hire people like that. I want people who are into this stuff for various reasons. So who would you think is the ideal personality for going into law? Like if, if you met someone and you thought to yourself, this person should go into law, what would that person be like? Well, you know, there's different kinds of law, all right? If you want to be a litigator, which is what I am, you should be uh, very competitive. You should want to win. You should be driven. You should be type A. Uh, and, um, you know, you should be able to deal with stress. How's that? Yeah, that's, that's spot on. And you should be, uh, you know, like going after people. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So early, early Sullivan's but, a fairly. But let me give you another example. If you want to be an appellate lawyer, for example, uh, somebody who's very uh, who who doesn't want to mingle with people, who wants to be you know in his or her office, just reading a lot and writing a lot and thinking a lot. Um, that's that's a great person for that. You know, there's just different kinds of. Uh, there's like we were saying before, they're different. There's so many different aspects of, of being a lawyer. Um, so it, it depends on, you know, but there, there's, a, there's places for everybody. But you got to have a brain. You, you don't have to be a genius to be a lawyer. There's plenty of lawyers who are totally not. <laughs> I mean, as most people know. Okay. Um, but, you, you know, but, um, you know, there's all kinds of ways and places to be a lawyer. And it's nice because it's a pretty good way to make a living. Your law firm, Early Sullivan's, fairly big. You've how long have you been in this partnership? Well, this is a story. So when I got out of law school, I started out in a completely different law firm, and I was there for, you know, I was at the first law firm for about a year. Then I lateraled over to a really good law firm, which was out for about fifteen years. And then in uh, two thousand, two thousand ten, uh, myself and four other guys left, and we started the Early Sullivan firm. And so now we've had it now for 10 years. We've been very blessed. Wow. Congratulations on a decade there. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's a really big accomplishment. Um, so what are your, some of, some of your personal accomplishments as a lawyer? Like what are some of the things that stand out to you? You say, I did that. Oh man. Without giving too much away disclosure. No, no, there's just been, it's been great. I mean, we've, uh, I got, uh, Defense verdict of the year once. I here in L.A. I I defended a 
our client in a really big, gnarly, nasty lawsuit, got a complete defense verdict. Um, um, I mean, there was a lot of money at stake and my client didn't have to pay a cent at the end of it, but it was a very scary and stressful lawsuit to say the least. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I ended up being uh, with my mentor lawyer before I started this law firm. We represented Kirk Kikorian in a who who used to be, uh, you know, this this guy was a big deal. I mean, this guy mm-hmm. uh, owned MGM Studios for a while. He owned Chrysler Corporation for a while. Oh, wow. Majority shareholder. He was, I mean, he was this guy. Kirk is a legend. He's one of the people that essentially started Vegas, um, and we represented Kirk in a really big, prominent law lawsuit um you know just a lot of amazing experiences frank wow that's that's definitely a big feather in the hat to to represent somebody like that i mean that was a big he was a big deal big big deal yeah so uh obviously your job is really stressful like there's a lot of paperwork there's a lot of calls and emails so how do you decompress like what are some hobbies that keep you from burning out um, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta make sure that you, uh, when you're a lawyer, you have to, uh, lead as much of a well-rounded life as you can. You have to devote time to your friends, your family, your loved ones. Um, and you have to, uh, you know, some people, it's easy to get completely a thousand percent caught up in being a lawyer and those people just get totally burned out. So, uh, you know, just, just live your life. And not, you know, not get totally 100,000% consumed. I mean, one of my my hobbies now, you know, I guess you'd call it a hobby is, you know, politics. <laughs> That's a That's whole a hobby. story, dude, which I don't want to go into today. Yeah, we'll save that for another episode. Okay. So what would you tell a 25-year-old you? If you could go back in time right now to the to the point where you're 25 and you know, I don't think you thought about law yet. What would you tell you right now if you could just kind of make a call? Say that, ask me that question again. If you could call the 25-year-old version of you, you know, however long ago that was, if you could call that person and what would you tell them? Like, what kind of information would you tell them? What kind of like, like what mistakes to avoid? Like, what are some generic things you would tell them to say like, hey, you know, you, you partied too much or don't do that anymore? Well, um, listen, I don't think there's any substitute for good old-fashioned hard work. And um, a lot of uh, younger people these days seem to think that they can take shortcuts to everything. And um, that's just complete bullshit, okay? Shortcuts aren't going to do it. There's no magic out there. Um, I don't care if you're a uh, trash collector or if you're an attorney, you have to, uh, there's no substitute for good old fashioned hard work. You bust your ass. You, uh, don't make excuses. You realize you're going to have to devote much of your life as a young lawyer or a young person to what you're working on and what you want to do in your career. And, um, and good things will happen. So, uh, you know, attitude is a big deal also, you know, don't be afraid to work. And when you're dealing with, uh, all kinds of pressure and bosses and people telling you what to do, 
the better your attitude is, no matter what they're throwing at you, uh, the further ahead you're going to get. It's just what happens. And then treat everybody with respect. And yeah, uh, and that's that's what I have to say. I think not my generation, but the generation that came after me. I think there is somewhat of a lack of solid work ethic because of the internet. So we have the internet is the ultimate equalizer. And if like, you know, there's ever anyone young that says like, you know, telling somebody older, you know, your generation had it easier. You had better jobs. You had, you know, the the debt to income ratio was better. Homes were cheaper. It's like this generation has the internet and that's almost the magic like you were talking about, but you still need to put in the work. It's like, yeah, no, you know, the yeah. internet, that, that's not going to do it. At the end of the day, you know, and we see this with so many uh, younger lawyers that we come, that we bring in. Some of them uh, have this sense of entitlement who do not have a hard, a strong work ethic. Ethic, and and so we know right away when somebody's going to cut it or not cut it. You get me somebody who's willing to bust their ass, who's got a great work ethic, will put in the time necessary no matter what the hours are, who has a good attitude, and that'll get somebody so much further. Certainly in the law, and so much, but certainly in the law profession and so many other professions, than somebody who walks in who's a like you know, might be more of a genius type or something like that. Um, so I, you know, I, and that is one thing that concerns me about so many of the younger people I see coming up is the lack of that work ethic. And, um, but, you know, for those who are 25 and so who do have that work ethic, I mean, the world is, they have the world at their fingertips because, you know, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. <laughs> So let me ask you this. This is pretty interesting. Do you think somebody in their late 20s can learn work ethic? I mean, like you said, sometimes you have the genius people who've never had to work that hard, but do you think work ethic is something that can always be learned regardless of what point you are in your life? Can you learn work ethic? Yeah, like obviously like, you know, some people were instilled in a young age by like, you know, a father or something that, or someone younger, their parent that taught them how to work hard and realize like nothing comes easy. And some people just had it easy, never had to worry about struggle. But do you think at the older ages, like when I say older, maybe like in their adult life of, you know, mid to late twenties, thirties, that they can learn work ethic. Like they, they can change that whole personality about them. Do you think that's possible? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't encountered yet. I just don't know. Yeah, Maybe. I, I hope so. I hope the answer is yes, but I don't know. But um, you know, I uh, by the time you're 25, in my humble experience, either either have the ability to bust your ass and work hard and know you have to do that, and know that there's no shortcuts, uh, or if you don't have that by the time you're 25, uh, I'm not sure if you get it. You can get it after that. But hopefully, you can. I like to think so. I think like you put a fire enough to someone's feet, they'll learn anything. Yeah. And I just think that's kind of like well, you something interesting I always think about. You can learn a lot. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't learn it, but you know, work ethic and the ability to learn are two different things. So that's true. I mean, you can, you can try and teach someone work ethic all you want, but if they're not a sponge, then they're just, it's just going to be like talking to wallpaper. Yeah. 
what are the next steps for Eric Early? Obviously, your law firm is growing, expanding. That's I'm glad to hear. Do you guys plan on having more locations, adding no, offices, no, other states? Uh, we we don't limit ourselves in any way. Anything's possible. Yeah. So, what exactly? What is Eric Early or what is Early Sullivan? Their specialty. Like, what well, if I was if someone wanted to recommend me your law firm? Why would they recommend me your law firm? Uh, we're just a great place to work. We do great cases. We have great clients. And uh, and if you're willing to work hard and you have a good attitude and you got, you're got smart uh, and you do good work, uh, it's a great place to work. So what kind of person, uh, I guess, if what kind of uh, experience or drive are you looking for in an, in an attorney that's applying to your law firm? Like, do you want them to have, like you said, appellate law? Or do you want them to deal with litigation? Like, what is it you would look, you would hope to find in your ideal candidate for your law firm? Well, what I'm when I'm looking for young lawyers, I'm looking for great attitude, great work ethic, competitive person, somebody who wants to win, and uh, and somebody who's intelligent. I mean, those are the things I'm looking for. It's a bottle. It's not a bottleneck type of person. You're just looking for someone who's willing to put in the work. And I think there are a lot of people who are willing to put in the work that want to work for your place because yours is a very prestigious firm. You know, it's got to be somebody who can do the work too, right? Yeah. Yeah. They got to walk the walk. Yeah. Well, Mr. Early, I appreciate your time. I I really thank you for coming on the show and talking to me and giving me insight as to not just your life, but the life of law in general. I mean, this really, it's really interesting to hear, especially you, how you came from a completely different background than most. It from the film to now going to law. Well, Brad, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for your questions. And uh, I hope this helps uh, some of your listeners. I appreciate that. All Mr. Right. Eric Early, thank you so much. I hope you have a great night. Thank you very much. You too. My guest tonight was Mr. Eric Early, a phenomenal lawyer who's had a very interesting path on how he got to where he is. And he's an aspiring politician, and he's making a lot of waves in the landscape, and he is really making some changes and getting a lot of people's ears. So I just want to say thank you, Eric. Thank you to the listeners. And I hope you all learned something, and you all have a wonderful evening. 